Welcome to Parent Driven Development. I'm Kay Wu, and today I'm here with my friend Mandy. Hi, I'm Mandy Moore, and I'm here with my friend Allison. Hi, I'm Allison, and my daughter turned one yesterday, which means that I am done with breastfeeding and pumping. Woo! <laughs> A very exciting moment. Uh, today, we're going to talk about breastfeeding and nursing. We're going to talk about the good, the bad, everything in between. We're also going to talk about not breastfeeding and making that choice as well. Uh, and we want to start this podcast by saying that we fully and firmly believe that fed is best. And the choice that you make as to how you feed your child is what works best for your child and for you and for your family. And so this episode is in no way prescriptive of what you should or should not be doing. Fed is best and we stick to that 100%. Absolutely. So with that, yeah, let's talk about breastfeeding, you know, from the nursing acrobatics as your kid gets older <laughs> to the those rough first couple of weeks where you feel like your nipples are going to fall off and nobody can touch you or you'll kill them. Um, <laughs> I want to start. <laughs> Do we want to talk a little bit about how we got into breastfeeding or or not like kind of as that decision well, presented I, I itself. I think we all became pregnant so that's kind of how yeah. we got into it. <laughs> no that's a good idea. I think that's, yeah. I think that's a great idea just like our journey our uh, you know maybe a short version of sort of our initial journey into the feeding decision that we made. I think I went into it with just like having absorbed the general background cultural message over the last couple of decades of breast is best. And I actually think I, I didn't really look into it that much in detail in terms of the science behind it until I had gotten to know you, Allison, and had been internet stalking you basically <laughs> and <laughs> looked at your old talks and you had this amazing lightning talk that you had put together. And after going through that, I was like, running around at work, like telling people the tidbit about how, did you know that uh, if you're breastfeeding and your kid gets sick, like it, it's a two-way communication system. It's not just a one-way delivery mechanism. You know, the milk contains antibodies for whatever sickness your child is fighting off. And I was like, that is so cool. And so I, I was in this, this stance of just being like, this is so amazing. And then I read a little bit more about just some current theories about uh, like one of my big concerns is that on my husband's side, there's just a lot of allergies, food and environmental both going on. And so I ended up making the decision that I kind of like made a whole bunch of other decisions kind of like around the kind of birth I wanted to have as well, sort of trying to support and set us up for breastfeeding as much as possible because I'd also learned enough to understand that like, oh, actually it's like natural, but that does not mean easy. Uh -huh. <laughs> went to a class and like got some books and like made handouts for myself because I felt like there was too much information that I, and I was like not going to remember what am I supposed to do in the first two hours versus the next 12 hours versus the first week, you know, all of that. And then the way it ended up playing out for us is that I had to exclusively pump for basically the first three and a half months after he was born because of a, of a tongue tie situation. And I, I have, we, we ended up getting back to nursing. Um, I just weaned him like a couple months ago at, at around 16 months. So the journey is just kind of like, 
yeah, something I think about a lot, certainly. Yeah. So mine were very different with each child. So I had always intended on nursing. My my mom always talked about like how she never had any problems and it was so easy and it was so nice. And she just, she's like one of those people that she was like, I just stared at you at each child that I had every time that they nursed for that entire experience. Cause it was just like, I couldn't get enough of just staring at my baby and smelling them and like just being all in that moment. That was not what it was like for me, but you know, it's described it as such. So I was like, Oh, like, okay, I'm going to like, I'm a nurse. It's what you do. It's health. There's all the science behind it, blah, blah, blah. My son did not have a good latch literally for no reason. The reason that I was told was because sometimes boys who are born on the bigger side, he was a little over eight pounds are just lazy and don't latch. Well, it was literally (laughs) the explanation that I got after talking to like multiple like pediatricians and lactation consultants, et cetera. So with him, I did like the, like I would nurse him and then I would pump after I nursed and I did that for a little while. And then I, it was mostly like exclusively pumping for him. And I went, I saw a bunch of lactation consultants. It was really stressful. In fact, uh, there's this one hold called the football hold, which I just cannot, I cannot do. And I could not do my baby was too long and my arms were too short and the pillows were just never right. And when I had Layla, literally the lactation consultant walked into like the hospital had lactation consultants and she walked in and I said, I said, I do not want to hear anything about the goddamn football hold. If you say the words football hold, I will ask you to leave immediately. And she was like, okay. So yeah. So for him, I pumped exclusively. I pumped until he was a year. And actually, I had a really big issue with my mom around that because the first week or so was so stressful and he was losing a bunch of weight. And basically what it came down to is my mom said that um, he wasn't latching because I wasn't trying hard enough, Um, which uh, resulted in her being asked to leave the house. But ultimately, in retrospect, I don't know if it was the best decision to like nurse and pump and sort of like drive myself really to the brink for that first month. But I had, it had been ingrained in me that like I had to do this. So that was with Devin. With Layla, she was super easy. She just like, she latched right away. I was so worried, but she was a great nurser, which I also found there. I thought that I would be so, so happy that she was such a good nurser because of the whole journey that I went through with Devin. But there were definitely pluses and minuses as well to the fact that she loved nursing. (laughs) I never breastfed Uh, when I was pregnant. I was back and forth on the whole thing. I've I've blocked a lot of my pregnancy out, to be honest. So I'm trying to remember. I, I remember looking and, and, and going back and forth with breast pumps and bottles and thinking, am I going to pump and then use a bottle? And I think I decided towards the end that I just wasn't going to breastfeed and I was going to strictly bottle feed. A lot of that influence was due to my mom. She never breastfed me. She didn't breastfeed my sister. So I think I just ended up settling on that. But then when I ended up in the hospital really suddenly, like, or it wasn't on my radar anymore because I was in the hospital basically dying. (laughs) So I had my daughter via emergency C-section 
And as soon as she came out, my hormones were everywhere. And I had like probably the biggest panic attack I can ever remember having. And right away, I, I was on uh, Xanax and antidepressants before my pregnancy, and I had to get off of them as soon as I learned I was pregnant. So I like demanded to anybody who would listen to me to bring me the drugs. And <laughs> they brought me the Xanax. And then the nurse informed me, she's like, well, just so you know, if you take this, you cannot breastfeed. And I said, I don't care. My mental health is more important right now than breastfeeding. Give me the drugs. <laughs> so basically, that's how my decision was made up for me. I later had a few nurses and lactation consultants, I remember, come into my room, and I was just so over everything. And I just politely, or maybe not so politely, told them to <laughs> get the hell out and that I was over their suggestions of breastfeeding. And if one more of them came into the room, it wasn't going to be pretty. So, <laughs> um, and oh, wow, they, you didn't, I mean, obviously you didn't request a lactation consultant. No, they just they, sent one around. They did a few times. And finally Oof. I had had enough. I was so over everything. My hormones were terrible. And later on, you know, I ended up, you know, having severe postpartum depression, which is another episode in itself. Uh, but it started almost immediately after my daughter was uh, removed from my body. I don't think I really had much choice. I don't regret not breastfeeding. I do sometimes wonder if it would have been different when she was... Uh, my daughter and I are very, very, very bonded now as she's an older child. But to be honest, having a baby, I was not a great mom. Like, I, I mean, I wasn't not a great mom, but I, I wasn't so much as interested in having a baby as I am having like a big girl. And I, I don't feel like I was as bonded as most mothers were because I wasn't doing the breastfeeding thing. So uh, I had a lot of other things going on in my life when my daughter was born. And the same with my mom, because my mom was my person. My mom helped me. So she could feed the baby. She could help me with the baby, which helped with, you know, helping with my postpartum depression. But I also wasn't forced to have that bond with my baby, which I don't know, like the first year of her life was just really hard for me. And I don't know, maybe if I was tethered to that breastfeeding, it would have been different. But in any case, uh, I guess my point in this is that that first year of her life, even though I didn't bond and have that breastfeeding experience with her, it hasn't changed how close we are now that she's almost 10 years old. And we're probably closer than ever. Yeah. I mean, I think that's an interesting point, though, because like, Okay, so I had breastfeeding experiences with both kids. You know, my son was a little bit different, but I don't know. In some ways, I think that once my children were like six or seven months and older, maybe it helped with that closeness. But there were lots of times when I felt very, oh gosh, very trapped, very like I couldn't take a break. Like there is nothing worse than when you are sick and you have to breastfeed anyway. Like all you want to do is like sleep through, you know, like get a good night's sleep or like take some medicine or do something. But it's like, no, no, you are on duty. It does not matter. And I think that that for me was like really, it was 
It was really challenge. It's really challenging to not have the freedom. I mean, really up until yesterday, like not have the freedom to like go and work from a coffee shop for, you know, mm-hmm. six hours or like go and do whatever and not have to worry about like finding a place to pump, finding it, you know, otherwise I risk mastitis or, you know, clogged ducts or not keeping my supply up or like there's so much stress I think that also that I will say that sometimes I was like I don't know if this is really worth it you know um I'm always proud of myself at the end of doing it because I do think it takes like some grit to stick with it or at least for me it did but I mean I definitely get those feelings of like being trapped not being able to like be myself not being able to do things that make me feel like I am just mom and I don't like to be just mom that's interesting you say that so for you it's like you wanted the freedom for me I had the freedom and all I felt was guilt it's parenting yeah Yeah. so answer is right (laughs) so so yeah like either way (laughs) it's like I had the freedom yeah and like you didn't and I did and I was like I shouldn't have had that freedom. Like, <laughs> yeah, wow. There's an article I read once that made this point I love. That was something like, uh, oh, yeah, sometimes people will try to argue like, oh, breastfeeding is great because formula is so expensive and breastfeeding is free. And the response was, yeah, breastfeeding is free only if you don't value women's comfort or time whatsoever. <laughs> Just like the logistics of the planning and like the timing and just like constantly thinking about it. And one of the blog posts that I did manage to get out was my collection of potential solutions to figuring out what to wear that's breastfeeding friendly. Because I, you know, I've been going like, okay, like once I'm done being pregnant, I can put the maternity clothes away. I can like go back to my old clothes, old self kind of thing. And it it wasn't like that because of breastfeeding in a large part. Like it's just, ugh, it's just so inconvenient or whatever suck. else. Nursing clothes suck so bad. I wish that's something somebody would have warned me about because even though I didn't breastfeed, I was not prepared when I looked down one day and my shirt was soaked. Mm. <laughs> and I was like, wait, I didn't think that this was supposed to happen because I'm not <laughs> breastfeeding. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> the other thing they don't tell you or that it- isn't okay. So I will say there's a lot about breastfeeding that isn't talked about. Like I had no idea that so many people struggled until I actually was like in a mom's group and like literally three quarters of the people were having some sort of like nursing issue. And I just had, I had no idea because everything like always seems so natural, but like Another one of the things that's not discussed is the fact that like it is possible for you to go through another huge hormone shift as you wean and for it to be for some people just as challenging as when you first give birth. Like there's a whole new hormone shift that takes place and a whole new sort of swing that, you know, depending on the person can be and nobody expects you. I think the thing is that after you give birth, there's a little bit of an expectation that like everybody knows like, oh, hormones and emotions emotions and blah, blah, blah. Nobody expects that when you're weaning. And so if you have some off days, or if you end up getting like postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety at the year mark of your child, it's like really surprising. And there isn't really that much support around it. Cause it's like, oh, well, you've made it through the first six weeks. That's when they're really looking for it. That's when there's all that sort of like help and assistance around it. But you can have that same shift. I mean, there's just also like, Kiwi, you were talking before we sort of started recording episode a little bit about the information around breastfeeding 
And yes, I don't want to yes, say the lack, like thereof, I, like the lack thereof and how it's all over the place. And yeah, like I, I feel like I have never had to exercise quite so much critical thinking as trying to figure out breastfeeding information <laughs> out there, you know, just like what is trustworthy? Like what is useful? What is applicable? What is, cause there's just so much you can find and people are in such different situations that it's just like, it's just so unstandardized all over the place. And so, Oh, something I wanted to mention from earlier is, is uh, Mandy, you had said, you always wonder like if things would have been different in some way. And I wanted to reply that if you had made the decision to breastfeed or give it a shot, like things would be different. And even between different children at different stages of breastfeeding, like people have different experiences, right? But a key thing to call out is that different doesn't mean better in in a lot of these cases necessarily, right? Like it will be different, but it's like the guilt is, is what is trying to imply to you that it would be different in a better way, but it would probably just be different in some other way, I feel. And I just, you know, I, I, I tried to do so much to prepare at the time I had my son in Portland, Oregon, which like I basically think of it as more or less the hippie capital of the US, right? Like if I was going to be in a supportive environment generally, like this was it. So like most of the difficulties I'd heard about going in were either news articles that come up about people who get shamed for trying to breastfeed in public. And, you know, I'm definitely like, oh my God, why do people do this? Uh, in terms of getting outraged at something that is not their business at all, et cetera. Or people worrying about milk supply. And that was not our particular situation. We had this tongue tie thing instead. And I actually almost sometimes felt the opposite pressure in a way in which I, I was trying to tell everyone, like, no, I, I really, I know it's not entirely within my control whether we succeed at being able to nurse, but it's very important to me to feel like I did everything I could on my end to try to make this succeed. And sometimes people would, like, I felt push me too hard in terms of like, oh, you should, you should, why don't you skip a session and like, go out for a little bit instead and like take a break in that way. And I'm like, no, I don't, I don't want to take a break. I want to keep at this. And what I want is help. Like people were trying to be supportive, but they were actually not listening to me still um, for what it was that I wanted. And like, to be perfectly frank as well, honestly, there were definitely times in those first four months where some of the new mom moments that I'm most ashamed about uh, were when I got very frustrated with my son for not latching or, or you kind of like it, it, because it's, it's, I am the adult here, but I'm not actually fully in control of whether this happens or not. Like a lot is up to the particular baby that you have as well. And just so much stuff that is out of your control. That's hard yeah. to live with. You also get so much conflicting information. So I saw a handful, a handful, I probably saw like three or four lactation consultants with my son and everyone gave different information and they would give information that was exactly contradictory of like the last lactation consultant that I saw. This happened with Layla as well. I mean, our pediatrician has a lactation consultant on site. So like I was super nervous before I had Layla. So like I just made like the appointment for both. And then for Layla, we also had a postpartum doula also because I was like, okay, if I'm having any struggles, I want someone who like has seen 
seen a lot of latches who can sort of support, but not like who has lactation experience, but is not like necessarily a lactation consultant. But I also told myself that like whatever information I felt I was getting that wasn't helpful, I was just going to say like, that is not helpful. Let's move on to something else. Because with mm-hmm. Devin, I didn't do that. And so I kept listening to everybody's information and trying all these different things that were totally like this football holds or like, you know, that's just one example, but like these other things that like were totally not working for me, but everybody said that they were supposed to, you know, or like one lactation consultant was like, well, this is the best way, you know, for it to happen. And, but yeah, they just would give like completely contradictory, especially at the beginning. So, okay. So this is my description of how they tell you to like breastfeed your baby at the beginning. You take the baby, (laughs) you put them in a football hold, which is basically like sort of in between on the side of your body, in between your body and your arm with half of their torso or some of their torso sort of on your forearm. Like, okay, like picture, picture you have a loaf of bread and like you, you have to like squeeze it underneath your arm to, to hold on to it. Like kind of that position. Yeah. And then the baby's head is in your hand. It's facing up. And then you take your breast and you squeeze your nipple. They call it the nipple sandwich. They oh, yes, the hamburger. The- oh, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> you, you squeeze your nipple so it looks like a little like sandwich or hamburger. And then somehow with some third or fourth arm that you don't yet have, you like squeeze a little bit of milk out and you put them on your baby's like lips or you like touch its chin so that it <laughs> mouth really wide. And then you take your the baby's head in your hand and you shove it onto their breast. <laughs> <laughs> and you just like, and you just swoosh it right in there, obviously making sure that their nose holes are still open so that they can breathe, but then they will latch and you are sort of stuck. And it won't there. be painful. And it will be painful and it will suck. And you just like have to, and if they unlatch or if it feels right, then you have to take a finger and sort of swoop it into their mouth to unlatch them. And then you put the baby's head down and then you try again to like put some milk on its lips and wait until that baby opens its mouth really wide to the exact optimal position. And then you shove its head against your (laughs) (laughs) Never mind. I'm done. You win. I, I I don't miss that. I did this. (laughs) So this is how, how I describe basically like the first number of weeks of like, and it is just like, God, it's so stressful. And sometimes people are like, well, why that hold? And why not this other hold? Why are you doing the sandwich? The sandwich doesn't work because that changes the natural shape of your bread. You should do this instead. You should, you should do, oh, you're doing a cross cradle, which is where you just sort of hold them in front of you. That's not good. You only do that when they're older. There's just like every lactation consultant like tells you something different. And like, but that is my description of what it is like to breastfeed your child. And you need to have like 12 hands and 50,000 pillows. And I just, I still don't understand how it works. Uh, when I guess like with my son, it really didn't. And with my daughter, it, it did. And it just sort of got easier over, you know, the first couple of months, but hopefully our listeners are laughing at and nodding their heads to that description. <laughs> Good <laughs> God. We we had to use a nipple or we were given a nipple shield in the hospital as well, which 
I mean, nipple oh. shield? What is a nipple yeah, so shield? It's, it's, okay, it's this like, it's this silicone thing that is, it, it comes in a few different sizes. So it's supposed to like, they're supposed to try to match it to your nipple. And that's like, if, cause I, people's nipples comes in different shapes as it turns out. Um, and some of them like are a little bit easier with for babies with smaller mouths to latch onto or whatnot. And so we were, we were given this thing to like try to use. And in the hospital, they didn't even give us like the correct instructions. It just dulled it slightly, like when it was really painful. So yeah, I, I mean, Allison, I, I totally remember the the setup at home where I was like, okay, like we have this pillow and then this other pillow. And then I have to like get things started a little bit and like try to put on the nipple shield and like, oh my God, like the baby just like knocked it off. And now we have to sterilize this thing again. Or like I was sometimes using a supplemental nursing system, which is like, you can pump milk and then hook it up so that there's like a tube and you can like just try to make it easier for the baby. And then like, then like someone would like hand me the baby. And actually the thing that broke my heart the most was in those early days when we were especially struggling and and still trying to do the latch uh, before the hung tie diagnosis is like, I could tell that he really, really wanted to nurse as well. He just, he, he couldn't latch. And so I was upset that he was so upset about it too. And I felt so bad that it wasn't just working. That part was really hard. (laughs) I also, with both kids, I could only nurse. Well, okay. So I could nurse in bed, but when, if I wasn't in bed, like I could only nurse in one chair in our house. (laughs) So it was like the baby has to nurse. Get the the second time around. I had a I had like a breast friend, so it was uh, which is sort of like a contraption that you strap around you that helps give a little bit more support for both like you and your back and also the baby. So it was like it was like clear the chair, get the breast friend, like get everything to get sit down, get the pillows in the right place, like you know. It was just yeah. Like it sounds like you have to like set the mood and like light some can like what? every time you want to feed like you have to like do all this special shit just well and I also I will add also that I also had to always have a towel or something against especially for the first like while actually I always had to have like a towel or something held against my other breast because I leaked so much from my other breast. Now they have like a hock. I didn't do the hock of this pregnancy, but they have like a hock, which is supposed to be pretty handy and these like different tools. But so it's also like, while I'm trying to like do all this stuff with nursing, I'm also trying to like hold a towel, uh, like against my other nipple because there's like literally like just ounces dripping from that other nipple. And, and breast milk is really high in sugar and fat, obviously. So it's like sticky. Sticky like and sweet. <laughs> and and uh, one thing I wanted to mention, by the way, is for folks that uh, if you haven't worked with lactation consultants yourself, something to know is that like there is, in fact, certifications that that people get. Um, the, the, there's one called the IBCLC, which is like International Board Certified Lactation Consultant, I think. And that's like the toughest one to get. So you can find lactation consultants that have the same certification and are like keeping up on the latest research and developments, and they will still tell you very different things about what to try and like what your problem might actually be. 
I will say a game changer. Well, I don't know if a game changer, but one thing that I realized second time around was to have the lactation consultant come to my house because I realized that the first time everyone that I saw was outside of the house and I just could never recreate anything like at home. But if when they came to see me at home, like they would say like, this pillow is not good. This pillow will be better for you. Or like, oh, that seat doesn't actually look like it's working for the baby or your back or like whatever. Why don't you try sitting over here or like, you know, they'll walk around your house and like help you sort of pick the like best areas or what your setup could be in like different rooms. So sometimes those home visits aren't covered by insurance, but I would say like if you can afford it, uh, it's really, really helpful to yes. to go there. What is this? Yeah. Like, feng, shui, feng Shui or whatever? Like <laughs> The baby will be more peaceful if you have them. <laughs> Okay. No, one of of the things we had to do, like after, after he got his tongue tie revised, it was, he at that point was like too used to bottles and didn't want to try latching anymore. And I signed up for tummy time class. It was actually really good. I, I was very skeptical at first as well, but it was actually really good and helpful for helping Felt the right muscles he needed, but we also would take baths together because, like, in the warm water and the skin to skin, it like helped him relax and be more willing to try. And it was actually it was on my thirty first birthday, I think it was that. Anytime we went out, I'd have to, you know, just in case nursing didn't work, I'd also have to bring a bottle of pumped milk and keep it cold, like just in case, you know, <laughs> if he's hungry and just be prepared the whole time. And on my birthday, we went out to go get fancy donuts and he got hungry and we just went in the car and that was like the very first time that we just nursed really easily and like not needing all of the fuss and that was really amazing and it got so much better after that and it was like more normal challenges in terms of like okay I have to go to a work for oxide and like now I have to tell people I work with you know I have to take breaks every so often like okay we can go out to team dinner but like I need to go back to my room for 30 minutes first uh and then go back out that sort of thing but yeah I totally bought myself like a really nice pretty watch uh (laughs) as my like good job self for sticking with this that was really hard and I want to be clear it's like it was much more hey I had this goal and it was really hard and I stuck with it I again want to re-emphasize that I feel like we have all these cultural narratives around if you breastfeed, that makes you a better mom. Or like sometimes people then also do the opposite of like, well, if you breastfeed, it's because you're selfish and you don't want other people to get involved with feeding or whatever else. And I just, those things are, that's all BS. Yeah. And it's interesting how it changes as they get older, right? So as I was nursing Layla, she was older. So some of the annoying things were she gets very distracted, you know, so it was really hard. Like I would often have to remove myself in order to nurse her because she just like couldn't nurse like while around a whole bunch of people. I would say that one of the most annoying things, so I actually really dislike breastfeeding in public. Worked really hard on like clothes and I got a little bit more comfortable with it sort of like towards the end. But I, I mean, I don't know. I'm just not super comfortable with it. Like that's my own preference. And... At some point, I don't know how old she was, but at some point she liked to sort of like nurse and play. (laughs) So she, so she would like nurse a little bit and then like 
unlatch and like pinch my nipple or poke at my nipple and then like nurse a little bit more and like you know unlatch and smile at me and I was like little lady I really do not want to show all of these people my nipple can we please just like get it done (laughs) and and that you know I mean they make like breastfeeding covers and blah blah but like that shit doesn't work. Like your baby doesn't want to be under. It's hot under there. It's like a mess to try to get your baby under there. You know, the covers that I use, I use them when I was pumping on planes because a pump does not knock things out of the way. Yes. Yeah. I I did find them convenient when I needed to pump in uh, like on a, mostly on an airplane, but uh, yeah. So there were, you know, there were (laughs) different challenges. And sometimes I was like, you're done. End of story. You're done. I don't know. I'll give you Cheerios if you're still hungry. You're obviously not focusing enough. I really like am done showing this entire airplane my nipple. We're done. (laughs) (laughs) Mine would, uh, he, I mean, he's always been, I mean, he's, he is my son. He loves eating. We're, we're big fans of eating. So I never had that level of distraction, but he, he would like, you know, nurse very vigorously start when he was most hungry. And as he was starting to get a bit more full, basically like try to have a conversation with me while he was nursing <laughs> still. So he's like nursing and like looking up and then also like babbling and cooing all at the same time. And I'm just like, oh, you're so cute. Like you're so much work, but you are pretty cute. So, <laughs> all right, fine. <laughs> Uh, See, that's the that's the that's the cuteness that I feel I missed. But you're like all this other stuff. Yeah, you can keep it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you gotta go through all that. The price is pretty high. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm good. Good job. Good job, everyone. <laughs> yeah, it's been really funny and really interesting to hear my so to my three year olds. Nursing is like totally normal, right? So he'll like be talking to someone. And he'll you like he'll be like. Layla drinks milk from mommy's breasts. She gets the milk comes out of her nipple. And, and I mean, he was like fascinated with like how the whole, like how pumps work and how, bre- I mean, I remember there was one day when I was working and we needed a sitter for a couple of hours and I was in a meeting and Devin, unfortunately I have like a very understanding workplace, but Devin like bursts into my office and comes up and goes, mommy, you need to feed Layla with your nipples and your breasts right now because she is fussy and she is hungry. And I was like, excuse me for one minute, (laughs) muted the like retro that we were in the middle of doing. (laughs) So, I mean, it's also like, and you know, I have friends that have had babies and it's just so, it's so funny to like hear their toddler sort of talk about breasts and nipples and nursing and like all of that, you know, or bottle. It's just, it's so funny. I think I'd mentioned that one of my motivations is I thought, you know, like the, the research is is not solid on this, by the way. Like there are plenty of people who breastfeed and their children still have really strong allergies for one reason or because there's such a strong genetic component to it. And we just, we, ha- we know very little information about how a lot of this works. So for me, it, w- it was getting that like, okay, on the off chance that this helps with the food allergies, it's really hard now. Hopefully this might pay off that, you know, I've, we've gone through all that and knock on wood, like as far as we can tell so far, he he can eat everything and just has like a minor egg allergy right now, which a lot of kids grow out of, right? 
So maybe all the stuff that we did helped. Maybe it would have turned out exactly the same otherwise. I don't know. Like I'm, I'm proud of what we were able to pull together. And I appreciate all of the support that I did get. But there's no clear right answer on the other end of things either. So I don't think that there is a, as much like research or science into breastfeeding and especially into pumping um, as there is in a lot of like a lot of it is still like just very, very mysterious. But I, I will say that I think that a lot of the science that is there is just fascinating, like about mm-hmm. antibodies, about how your milk changes depending on the age of your child, like your milk changes if it's winter or summer, like if it's hot or cold outside to be able to hydrate your child more or like give them more sort of like fat content to insulate them. Like there is some really fascinating, incredible stuff that our bodies can do. And if you don't know any of that science, highly recommend sort of like Mm -hmm. checking it out and doing a, doing a little bit of research. It's just really, I would say that that was the thing that was most interesting to me about breastfeeding as I did more research was I was like, my body is doing this. Like that is fascinating. I am so interested in what is going on in my body right now. So yeah, and there are still a lot of like unanswered questions. But yeah, there's a lot of really cool science out there around it. Maybe next time around, I wonder if I should try to look up and see if anyone's running any studies locally and be like, I'll participate. (laughs) (laughs) Well, should we get it into uh, genius fail moments? I have a good one. I prepared it since yesterday. I knew we were doing the recording yesterday. So I have a pretty good fail. Last night, as we were going into the bedtime routine, somehow in between getting out of the bath and putting on a diaper and ending up in his room, my son managed to snag not one, but two credit cards out of my husband's wallet. I don't understand how that happened. This is not the fail part. You know, it's like, okay, fine. He grabs some credit cards and he's running around his room as we try to get him dressed like he he is extremely active and just yeah it's not does, does not believe in helping the bedtime process along anyway by the by the end of that whole dressing process when we got him into you know his sleep sack and zipped him up we were like oh he definitely had two when he came into this room and now we can only find one where is this second card <laughs> and we're pretty sure that it wasn't zipped into the sleep sack with him, but we couldn't find it in the rest of the room either. So, you know, almost 20 hours later now, I'm I'm still not sure if we've located that other credit card. Oh boy. Watch out for those charges. Maybe he- yeah. <laughs> those kids are smart. I mean it's true. They're smarter than we always think they are. So I mean, yeah, frequently we do not know how to reset things on our TV after the remote has been uh, absconded <laughs> with. So it's true. Good point. Turning on identity theft monitoring now. <laughs> I have a fail. We went on our first international family trip as a family of four, which was actually shockingly fantastic. We went to Israel. Uh, so there was a time change and long flights and the kids handled everything well. We had a really good time while we were there. It was great. So, uh, you know, I'm prepping for our for our flights home and our flights at home were during the day. Our flights there were overnight home were during the day. 
And my son is very good on airplanes. He's an excellent, excellent flyer. But if he's going to melt down, he tends to melt down in the last 15 or 20 minutes of the flight. And most of the time, it's because he wants to sit on my husband's lap. And my husband, for whatever reason, is a stickler about the rules and will not. He has to sit in his own seat, buckled in. And no matter how many activities and things we have, that just tends to sort of be, if he's going to melt down, that tends to be his time. So I bought a Kinder Egg for him because it's chocolate and it's a toy and it's all of these things that I felt like would get us through those last like 15 minutes. And I told him, I said, I have a special surprise for you when we're like, while we're landing, because he asked what the egg was. And I was like, it's a special surprise as we're landing back in America, et cetera, et cetera. So sure enough, 30 minutes or so, 20 minutes or so before we're landing, he's tired and he starts having a meltdown and he's just screaming that he wants to sit on my husband's lap. And we're like, you know, we're trying to cajole him and we're trying to deal with it and we're, you know, we're, we're almost there. We're almost landed. As soon as we land, you can get up out of your seat, et cetera, et cetera. Meanwhile, I told us, this is the fail. I totally forgot that I had prepared for this situation and that I had a freaking chocolate egg with a toy in it <laughs> in the backpack specifically to cut off this exact meltdown that I anticipated happening. <laughs> and literally the wheels touched down. And, and Devin stops crying and looks at me and goes, mama, can I have that egg now? And I was like, God damn it, the egg. <laughs> and crying for 20 minutes. And I specifically had something to circumvent this entire situation. So uh, that was a total failure. I have a genius uh, and it's just quick and short. Uh, my daughter and I joined a uh, mommy-daughter, well, a youth adult bowling league. And we've been having so much fun. It's every Sunday. And we go and we get to bowl three games. And it's fun. And we're not using bumpers. So we're both kind of like getting a little bit better. And because, well, we both suck. <laughs> and there's actually only like three other teams in the league. So it's like me and her then three dads and their kids and all the dads are on their like adult bowling league. So they're bowling strikes and I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> they're already like semi pros over there. And I'm just like, this is just fun. Like, yeah, it's great. So I'm loving it. All right. Thanks so much for listening to the parent driven development podcast. We'd love to hear from you. If you have questions that you'd like us to chat about on air, email us at panel at parentdrivendevelopment.com or find us on Twitter at parentdrivendev. And if you like what you hear, please support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash parentdrivendev or rate us on iTunes. It really helps. Thanks so much. <laughs>